Hola, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Mujeres in the Know. Hey everyone, how is it going? It's Natalie here. I hope everybody's doing well. Guess what? I have an amazing episode today, super special guest today. I'll be having Sabrina Walker Hernandez, and she's the president and the CEO of Supporting World Hope, a consulting agency. What Sabrina does is she helps small nonprofits raise more money by looking at all aspects of the organization, including the functionality of the board. She's going to be sharing with us more about herself. We're going to get to know her better, and also a course tell us more about supporting world hope and what she can do for a small nonprofit. let's go ahead and bring her in and ask her some questions so thank you so much sabrina for taking time out of your day to speak with the mujeres in the no podcast so glad that you were able to be a guest the first question that i have for you is can you tell us a little bit about yourself where were you born and raised where did you attend school and how do you like living in the rio grande valley okay so i was born in virginia when people ask me where I was raised, I always go Virginia, North Carolina, because my dad was from Virginia and my mom was from North Carolina. And I guess when they got married, they had an agreement that they would live in both states. So kinder through third, I was in North Carolina. And then fourth through six, I was in Virginia. And then I spent um, went back to North Carolina, went back to Virginia, and ultimately graduated from Rocky Mount Senior High in North Carolina, whose mascot is a griffon, which most people don't know what a griffon is, but it's a mystical animal. I don't know why we were griffons, <laughs> um, but that's what we were. That's where I was born and raised. From there, graduated again from North Carolina, and then I did some time in community college. I went to Nash Edgecombe County Community College before I decided to join the military. And then while I was in the military, I attended Jefferson Community College, which was in Evans Mills, New York. And then finally, when I relocated to the Valley, I attended Pan Am, which now is UTRGB, and I got my undergrad in poli-sci. I actually started out majoring in pre-law, um, thinking I was gonna go to law school, but that changed. So I got my undergrad in political science and a minor in history, and I got my master's in public administration. And so I've been in the Valley since 1992. I absolutely loved the Valley. I had no idea that the Valley existed before I moved here. My husband I met in the military and he's from South Texas. And I did not want to go back to North Carolina and he didn't like Virginia. And so he said, well, we could move to South Texas. And I was like, cool, okay. But then he said, there's no black people. And all I heard was South. And I'm like, there's black people all over the South because I grew up in the South. But when I did hit the Valley, I was like, oh, oh, I understand. Yeah, there is no black people here. I remember um, in 92, you know, my mom would have to send me hair care products in the mail and all of that. But outside of that, the Valley, it is a very wonderful place, very open. Um, I thrive in the community. My kids thrive in the community. I've always felt welcome. I've carved out a space for myself here. And I try to get my family to move to the Valley too, but they're not having it. But I love it. <laughs> Can you tell us a little about your consulting agency, Supporting World Hope? How did it all come about and what was the inspiration behind that? 
Well, that's an interesting story because I've worked in the nonprofit industry for over 25 years. I initially said that I wanted to go to law school, right? And so when I was taking my pre-law class, they had me do an internship where I mediated between landlords and tenants in a nonprofit when the landlords were trying to do things that weren't quite legal. And I got to work with a lot of attorneys and I decided I did not want to be an attorney because attorneys, they teach you there is no right and there is no wrong. There is only the law. And I couldn't really embrace that concept. But what I did do was fall in love with the nonprofit world. And so since that time, I've been working in the nonprofit industry and, and it's very stressful working in the nonprofit industry. I ran my local Boys and Girls Club for 20 years. And in 2018, I got diagnosed with not one cancer, but two. I got diagnosed with lymphoma and multiple myeloma. They're both blood cancers and they're stress-related cancers. What happened was I did like 10 months of chemo and then I had to be in the hospital for 30 days for a stem cell transplant. And I remember going through chemo and my husband looking at me and saying, you need to retire. And I was so out of it and everything, you know, just going through what I was going through. I agreed that I would retire. And as soon as I said it, I love what I do. I love what I do played on loop in my head. And so when I was in the hospital for those 30 days getting the stem cell transplant, I came up with the company Supporting World Hope. And the whole mission behind Supporting World Hope is to provide um, support to those nonprofit executives out there that are often stressed out, overwhelmed, and overworked, and provide as much resources and support that I can for them so they don't find themselves in a situation where they too are sick or that they don't have, they get stressed out. And so that's what I do now. I just, I support those types of executives and small nonprofits. That's amazing what you do. And I admire you very much for doing that. And can you share a little bit about your background? I know you were in the United States Army. What was your responsibility as a member? And what was your inspiration for joining in the first place? Well, my inspiration for joining in the first place is not glamorous. I wanted a way to pay for college. Um, and so really, I guess I go back. Growing up, um, one of my close family friends was a member of the Army. And so in the summer times, we would go to Fort Bragg. He was airborne. And we would go to Fort Bragg every summer and when they were stationed in Fort Bragg and spend summers on the base. So I grew up admiring him and wanting to be airborne. And I also knew I had to pay for college. And so I was being courted by the Army and the Air Force. And I chose Army because I wanted to be airborne born and because of his influence. I look back on it now, I'm like, Dummy, you should have went to the Air Force because I will tell you, we went on a, there was the Army, the Air Force and the Marines. We were in White Sands, New Mexico, and the Marines hiked the mountain and, you know, had their tents up in the mountains. The Army, we were in the desert part and we did shower points and things like that. And the Air Force was back in the hotel and I knew at that moment I had joined the wrong branch. But when I went to jump school, it solidified it for me because 
when I got there, I was like, hey, there's Air Force people here. I didn't know that you could be Air Force and go to jump school. Um, and so uh, I realized, man, I could have went to the Air Force, stayed in a hotel, stayed in nice things, and not have to do all this physical stuff. Um, but I, I went to the Army, and I'm glad of that. That's where I met my spouse. My first job in the Army, people really get shocked by this. But it was a 43 Echo. I was a parachute rigger. So I made sure that the parachutes that the guys and girls used when they jumped out the airplanes were packed nice and that nobody would have an accident coming down. Like, you know, the parachutes didn't have holes in them, that they worked, that the pulleys worked, that all of that, you know, worked. And then my second job, my next MOS was a 74 Charlie, which is telecommunications. And I worked in telecommunications. I did AIT at um, Fort Gordon. I, I know I'm saying all these acronyms, but I worked in an S23, which is uh, logistics. That's where I met my husband. And basically when I was logistics, what I would do was ensure that everything was coordinated for when the soldiers had to go to the field for overnight camp or three-day camp or whatever. And then finally, my third job as I was leaving was a 71 Lima, which is administrative support. And that's what I did in the Army Reserves for about six years before I finally just got out of, of the military. So I started off active duty and then I went reserves. Wow, that's very impressive. Thank you for sharing. The next question I have for you is, I know at one point you were the Chief Executive Officer at Boys and Girls Club of Edinburgh, RGV. What experience or moment can you recall that was a great memory for you while working there at the Boys and Girls Club of Edinburgh? Well, it's always nice to think back on specific kids and remember them. Because when you're working at a Boys and Girls Club, you get to see generations of kids. So my daughter and her group of friends attended the club and now they're 28 years old and they have kids that are attending the club. So I always like seeing that second generation come in and I love to see where the kids are now and what you see your work. Because when you work with youth, at that particular time, it's not like they really appreciate it. They don't appreciate it until they become adults. I like when kids come back and they say thank you as, as adults and they bring their kids. You know, that really shows impact. Um, so I really appreciate and like those moments. On the fundraising end of things, I was very proud of my organization, of my board, and of myself when we did the grand opening for our state-of-the-art facility. We raised $12 million for a 32,000 square foot facility. And that was probably one of the best days when we did that ribbon cutting because we moved from an old dilapidated building into this state-of-the-art building. And I thought the kids really deserve this and we accomplished it. And I'm so happy for them because a lot of the kids that we were serving, they lived in the housing authority or they lived in poor housing conditions. And I felt really not good when they came from those housing conditions and then they came into our club that was dilapidated. So I felt really proud that they were able to come into something new to show that they deserve to have something that was state of the art. So that was really a proud moment. Definitely. Can you share with us the first job that you were ever hired for? What was that like and how old were you? So I had my first job when I was 
14 years old and I worked in a dry cleaners. My aunt got me the job. My aunt Mildred got me the job because she worked in a dry cleaners. And I remember in the hot summertime being in the dry cleaners. And what I did was when the shirts came out of the press, I ironed the sleeves in the summer, in the heat, in the, uh, in the dry cleaner. And then from there, I elevated to working at Piggly Wiggly. I was <laughs> at Piggly Wiggly. Um, and then from there, I worked at Taco Bell. I was a shift manager at Taco Bell. And then that's when I said, I got to get out of here. I got to join Uncle Sam's army. <laughs> so that's what yeah, I did. Definitely. Well, it's always nice to hear, you know, where everybody started from. You've done amazing things. I love to hear where people, you know, where they all started. So thank you for sharing that. If you could give advice to a young lady or woman who hopes and desires to be as impactful and as fearless as you are, what would you tell her? I would tell her, don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. And what does that really mean? Just you do not have to repeat the patterns of the people around you. You can look at the patterns of the people around you and you can dare to be different. And it is okay to be different. It is okay to leave the safety of your community. It is okay to, to leave what you know and aspire to do something different. You will be okay. Um, don't be afraid to take that leap. If you want to go to the army, go to the army. If you want to travel to another state, do that. If you want to go to college, go to college. Don't be afraid to step out of that comfort zone because you get one life and you don't want to look back on that one life that you have and think I shoulda, coulda, woulda. And you don't want to look back on 10 years will go in a flash. And you don't want to look back and say, what did I do with those 10 years? Or what did I do with those 20 years? Make some bold choices. Believe in yourself. Don't listen to those automatic negative thoughts that come into your head that says you can't do that or you can't do this. Nobody in your family has ever done this. Don't listen to them. Squash those thoughts, have a positive mindset and step out of the comfort zone. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That just inspired me. So I know it'll inspire somebody who hears this. So thank you so much for sharing that, Sabrina. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mujeres in the Know podcast. And thank you so much, Sabrina, for sharing your story and for sharing what you do for small nonprofits. If any small nonprofit is in need of some help or needs some resources, then go to Sabrina. She's the one. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, it's Natalie here. Remember to please stay safe out there. Cuidado, por favor. Until next time, bye-bye. Adios.